Zaria, did you have anything you wanted to say just as a counselor or things that you want people to know if they are struggling or if they know someone? Anything? Well, I just want to say this was thank you so much for sharing of yourself. Um, I think you brought up so many things that I, I made some notes, but one of the things that I think we all just kind of to reflect upon is the fact that um, we all suffer through a wide variety of traumas throughout our life. Um, and so you shared beautifully multi-layered the secrecy um, that many of us, you know, in hiding and possibly the shame or the guilt um, we have in our family. So, you know, so we don't invite people over to our house. Um, we make up or do things so that people don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Um, and carrying that throughout your life is a heavy burden. Um, and so one, I think I want to thank you for sharing, um, and I would encourage anybody who is feeling that burden, is feeling that heaviness in their heart, um, to get help, to talk to somebody, um, regardless of, you know, who that may be. Um, get that out, because that heaviness, and you also talked about in your relationships, because I'd also like to say, one of the things that's also important is that we break cycles of trauma. Um, to the best of our ability. So I would just encourage you, if you've experienced something, if you were touched by something, I would encourage you to process it in a, in a healthy way. As we heard how some people, you know, self-medicating on multiple levels that can be unhealthy, but there are healthy ways um, to, to process the shame, the guilt that people experience. So I would just really encourage you to get help however you know, and there's multiple ways for that. Counseling might not be for everybody, support groups, um, vicar, yoga. We all have different ways to do that. So I just, but overall, to kind of get the message of you are not alone, because I think that's a big piece. Um, and I also want to say as a mental health pro um, professional is that sometimes we feel that, um, at least when I've been working with people, that somehow God has left us because we're experiencing this trauma, or, or God has forsaken us, or that if we were better people, better Muslims, uh, if we prayed hard or did such and such, did charitable works, whatever that, we were just better that these things would not happen. And I want to put that out there to you as well as do not blame yourself for your trials and tribulations, because I think that's another thing, is many times the victim or the survivor blames themselves. You know, she cannot control her mother's addiction. All she can do is cope with how that impacts her life. And so I, I want to put that out there to you as well. Those of you who have experienced something is, you know, moving from that place of blame and shame to the place of empowerment, um, to, the, the, to the place of, of surviving, um, and, you know, hopefully strength uh, and learning from that. So with that being said, and, and if anybody has any questions or comments, I hope you will also talk about other things that you've done as far as that help you persevere, you know, in your story. Um, but if anybody has questions or comments or wants to speak to me, I mean, I'll be here. Um, so, you know, feel free. And anything that obviously you say to me regardless um, is confidential and I will not be sharing that with anybody else, okay? So once again, we are publishing just the audio of the Q&A, so we want you to share freely and vulnerably in our circle. Um, if there's anything that you share that afterwards you don't want to be put online, just let me or Samia know, and then we'll be sure to cut that out um, when we're editing the audio together. Um, but while we're here together, we want you to take advantage of this safe space um, to share uh, from the heart.
Okay, uh, who would like to start us off with the first question or reflection or anything that came up for you? Well, I kind of want to pass the mic to, to Noor Jahan, who's her family. <laughs> That's so funny because I wanted to say something, but I was like, I'll let somebody else say something first. Um, I just want to say that I'm just so proud of you. I <laughs> so I'm very emotional hearing you up there. I didn't get to see your full speech before you did this. And just hearing you share from the heart about your experience, it was an opportunity for me to get to see what your life was like from your perspective, really for the first time, and get to really see all of you, and get to see your mom's perspective. Even though you can't speak for your mom, you got to see all different sides of her and got to know her as a full human being, and it was so beautiful. I, I know that it's hard for family members sometimes to, to come out about something like this, and maybe hard for others of our family members, we'll find out. <laughs> Um, inshallah, they'll find their own path. But the way that you, the way that you spoke about your mom was really, really powerful and beautiful. And the way that you came out about your own pain was extremely impactful. And I'm really proud of you. So thank you. Thank you. I love you. I know this girl. I didn't know she was talking about her mother. Her mother was my friend. We were neighbors in Tanzania. We used to play together with her mother too. And uh, when she was pregnant with you, I was in New York with her. I remember her, she was vivacious, beautiful, good cook, friendly. I mean, everything that you can think of a friend. I would call her, Yasmin, I need blah, blah, blah. Okay, call this one, she'll do it. She was, we worked together at the UN. She traveled a lot, but your, your aunt keep telling me, this is Yasmin's daughter. It never occurred to me. Even when she was in Houston, we used to talk. I have her voicemail on my, on my phone at home, telling me, oh, Moza, Allah this, Allah. I said, ah, Yasmin, stop it. Because the way I know her, do you understand what I'm saying? But she is a beautiful sister. Now I'm so ashamed, not ashamed, I'm so happy to meet you now. But anytime you have anything you wanna say, I'm here for her, because she was there for me throughout my time when I moved to America. Thank you so much. Her late mother was my aunt, and um, in 1978, when she was in Harvard, I mean, UN, I spent a whole summer um, in New York City. Um, the full three months I was with her, me and her alone, when she lived in 47th Street, that's what I recall. And um, we spent, uh, we had, uh, I spent a lot of time with her and we had uh, great times. And at that time, she was already, of course, heavily suffering. So um, she would spend, she would spend weeks and days and days and months. She was just sleeping after there. And at one point also she got uh, uh, an attack. I can't remember what, what it's called now. And um, sadly enough, of course, her, her bills were piling up and the, the, the grocery guy would come and say, you know, this has to be paid and all of that, etc. And um, I was there for the funeral, you, you remember? 
before you arrived. She was a superb woman, as you said. Um, whenever, um, you know, like I would give her, a, uh, when we went to visit in Houston again, 2006, and she was so alive, so lively, so uh, everything that you could think of. Of course, uh, I enjoyed being with her because um, her being uh, very bright, I mean, from Harvard, and I learned so much from her. And um, one thing, one very important thing I can say, uh, also for everybody, that um, um, she came to the United States when she was 16. And I remember very well that she did not want to. Uh, all her other brothers and sisters, they were around in the US, but everybody in a different. Yeah. So we used to meet up in Corning, New York, with our late, uh, late uh, members, the Warners, uh, for Thanksgiving. And we used to, we had so much laughs. We used to laugh so much. And um, she always wanted to be with the family members. This is one aspect that uh, made her uh, get into that, uh, I'd say, addiction or something like that. So I, um, I strongly feel and I know that uh, it's very important, very, very, very important to be out there with your family members. It's so, you can, I cannot explain how that important it is. Friends are fine, but family is very crucial, no matter what. And this is what she had lacked. Uh, a lot of times, um, but everybody was busy, you know, uh, different, you know, areas and different uh, locations in the states. It was so big, and she longed so much yet about Tanzania, and she would re relive the whole thing about Eid. Remember when you talked about Eid and putting that? Down? She missed that so much, uh, being, you know, being here. So it's it's uh, one thing is uh, family is very important. Um, I sent my daughters, this is Raida, my daughter. She's studying here in the US. And my, her eldest, uh, my eldest daughter, she already graduated last year. But I sent them here to study. Having also uh, lived in the America for over 15 years because I studied here as well. I make sure, regardless of the cost, I, you know, I, come, I fly out here. I, you know, I, f I spend time with them, etc. And thank God, in those times there was no uh, mobile phones, nothing of that. You know, you just had to write letters, or calling was very expensive. But nowadays, you have the opportunity to be in touch, even three times a day. So, whilst they are here and I'm there in Oman, I, I, I ring them every day. Every single day you must talk, even if you're on everything. Just you must talk every day. You must share whatever the day is. How was the day? What you do? Blah blah. And after I took my early retirement, you know, then I come here and I, I stay four five months, you know. Cook for them, help them with actually their work, etc. So what I'm trying to say, 
with the experience of my late aunt. And um, this is what family is very important. Yeah, so this is why I was telling you, you know, I wish we had to go do your masters, but I wished you been here with us so we can be more together. It's very, very important. I mean, friends is fine, but just family, reach out and save up, you know. Forgo all this material stuff, nice dress, you know, blah, blah. No, save up your money, because now we are really global. And the whole family is around the world, you know that. So save up that money just to get that whatever ticket, just to go and visit family. And this is what I do all the time, because it's very crucial. Another, uh, during all my, uh, I was, I'm also a single mother. First time when I was there, so I raised my daughter, alhamdulillah, with the help of God, of course. And whenever I've you know, gone through trouble, etc., one important thing is to just open the Quran and read it. Whatever, any surah, and just read. When I used to open and read, I would, while reading was subhanAllah, very strange. I'll find solutions. And I say, oh, okay, okay. And I read, 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 and, I read, and the solution comes. That I can assure you a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Whenever I was like, uh, you know, uh, in trouble, or I had to do blah, blah, I just, and I feel, you know, a bit down or something like that, I just open and just read and read, read regardless, anytime. Anytime. At dawn, at, you know, two o'clock. It doesn't have to be, you don't restrict yourself. Just open it and read it. It's a, it's a book of revelation. It's a book of spiritual, this it does say, shifa. Shifa means, um, yes, it's a healing. It is said, in the, our says, shifa lines. But how else can you get healing? Not by drugs, not by painkillers, nothing like that. You just read the Quran and you get shifa. Your soul, yeah? And you know, in English, if you Arabic, just read and read and read and try to uh, understand, if you have the time, try to understand, even if you read for five minutes. But just read. And I uh, hope to see you soon again and we'll come up to New York and visit you. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. I was just truly taken off guard by your story. Um, you just do not look like you've been through all of that. And so you've been blessed. You've got your health, and you're clear about what has happened with you. Uh, I was, you're obviously still healing. I was shocked to discover that it's only been a few years ago that your mom was returned to Allah. But you shared with me that you're going to be leaving us and going to New York, and I just wanted to ask you if you have family or maybe a masjid community that you're attaching to there, and to, you know, obviously you need to have connections with people. So I wanted to ask you about that, but also can you pinpoint that one pivotal moment 
when you decided, nope, I'm not going that way. I am going to do something different with my life. So I'm just wondering if you can pinpoint that moment. So like I said in, in my speech, um, it's funny because as I'm speaking to you guys, I, you know, I have to sit and write my story. Um, but there's, there's so much trauma. I mean, it's so layered, and obviously I couldn't condense it in 12 pages. But um, there's so much of my memory that I don't remember, um, especially with my mom passing away. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys have probably lost a loved one, you know, whether it's a family member or a friend. With my mom, it was very different for me, and I can only speak for myself in this room, but I attached my whole life to my mom's survival. So growing up, I didn't have the luxury to even cultivate any of my own thoughts or identity. Um, anytime I did, something would happen. So I, I revolved my life around uh, saving my mom. So the, the fire was one example. Um, there were many other examples of that. Um, even with my mom's death, I, that was the first time my brother and I have ever been away from my mom. So she has an overdose, she takes too many pills, we know how to handle it. Um, and it was unfortunate that she was in Tanzania when that happened and it really escalated. And you know, my family did the best they could. They didn't want us to know, so I actually didn't know. Um, I just moved to um, New York because um, I, I went through my own kind of breakdown, um, trying to hold everyone else up, and not, I just neglected myself. So, yeah, I, um, both my parents were addicted. Uh, my dad was just more functional, and they obviously had to split apart for my father to, to get back um, on track. And so, yeah, I mean, I... Obviously, my aunts and uncles were always like, yo, don't go down that route. And just knowing how, I mean, I can never, I can't express in words how painful it was at seven years old to be uh, taken away from my mom. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, I've, I've looked my mom in my eyes and said, yo, don't, don't do this because you're going to lose us. And she would still take the pills in front of me. So, you know, I mean, I tried not to take it personally, but obviously things were happening to where we did have to get taken away. If it wasn't for my aunt, Jahan's mom, I, we probably would have been in welfare. I mean, sorry, not welfare. We were on welfare. But, um, you know, we probably would have been in foster care uh, for sure. Uh, there are many moments. So, yeah, just even when it comes to taking supplements, I mean, I want to have the nice hair and I want to keep my body, whatever, but it's just hard for me to literally swallow a pill. Um, and, I, and I honestly don't, I, I want you guys to know this, that it's not really a choice. I think when Allah wants something for you or doesn't want something for you, he makes your body just not gravitates toward, towards it. So for me, like, I grew up in, in Houston. Um, I don't know if anyone here is familiar, but I grew up in, Houston's a very unique city. We grew up on the southwest side of Houston, which is a very rough part. It's like third ward, fifth ward. I grew up with strippers. I grew up with drug addicts, like who are my friends, who I called my family, and I never got caught up in that. Um, and I don't, I'm not tooting my own horn. It just, it just wasn't, I couldn't, I knew I had to, 
when we talk about breaking cycles, I know that even for me now, like I have to break that cycle. So if I ever have children, they can have a better life than I had, you know? So I'm trying to show compassion for myself, but also remedy the effects of what coming from a broken home and all of that entailed so that my kids don't have to go through that. So I hope I answered that. <laughs> you mentioned like mindfulness and certain things. So I'm just curious if there were some self-care things that you possibly have utilized that you possibly could share that you found helpful. I know mm -hmm. we're, everybody's different, but mm -hmm. um, your resilience is, is amazing. So you know. I don't know, you guys, you haven't seen me behind closed well, doors. Regardless, <laughs> it is amazing. You know, your resilience is amazing. So, um, so, you know, anything you could share possibly that could be helpful? Yeah, um, when I was about nine years old, I, I listened to my first hip hop album, which I felt like growing up in a small white town for like seven years was really weird. <laughs> um, and I started to, to me that was poetry. I mean, um, hip hop comes from poetry. So I literally heard my life on a beat and I was like, okay, like, you know, um, listening to Biggie's Juicy, and just, I think all of us who've come from broken homes, we have this deep desire to like buy our mom a house and all those kinds of things. I know whenever my mom won, I won. So when we first had our like first two-story house, I mean, Houston, it's not a big deal, but it was a huge deal to my brother and I. Uh, to see my mom have a car was just, you know, th that was like my biggest dream, you know? Um, so, Self-care was definitely through hip-hop and writing um, poems. Uh, I used to perform early on, like when I was in college. Um, what, else, what do I do now? Um, I mean, I have to thank my sister, cousin Jahan. Um, she has been with me through thick and thin. Um, just not always like in a physical space, but like she never gave up on me, even when I gave up on myself. And like, I actually wanted people to just accept me for who I was. And if it wasn't for her, I probably would have never shared that. So that's due to her. <laughs> um, so she and her healing, you guys, those of you who've heard yes. her story, um, she, she really did allow all of us to heal. Um, yeah, so for her to, to just share with me what surrendering looks like. And so that was really big. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember the specific moment. It was last January, and I just felt stuck, and I just was felt like giving up. And, and she did this healing thing on me that she got from Tasneem. And I swear, in that moment, everything changed for me. I knew what I wanted, and I just... No matter how painful the feelings were, I was just able to literally sit with them. I would just sit with my feelings and be like, as if, what's the worst thing that could have happened? And it already happened. You know, at, at 27, losing my mom, that was the worst thing. That was my biggest fear. And so that allowed me to, to overcome all other fears. And I mean, that was the biggest of losses. So anything else is like light work, as they say. Um, but in my daily life, I exercise, that's huge. Um, I meditate, I pray, I struggle with prayer, I'll be honest, we're in a Muslim space right now, but I do struggle with prayer sometimes. Um, but I, I keep going. And, um, you know, just eating well. And also I think working in um, inner city schools like the South Bronx, uh, I, I, we taught, there's my colleague right there, uh, teaching in Pico Union, um, students from Compton, 
watts so like this is their daily reality it helps me to realize like yo i'm not doing this just for myself there's people who could use some guidance along the way so that helps me to to realize like this is bigger than me so all those things thank you ihan thank you for being you and showing up and sharing your story i know it couldn't have been easy and you still did it um i'm very, 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 very grateful that I come from the family that I come, like such a loving family, such a supportive family. Like just the other day I was telling somebody I have very little drama in my life, thanks to the family and the, the, the environment, like at family, my work, like everything, mashallah, is just such a blessing. And from my standpoint, when I look and I hear like words like addicts and um, you know, disabuse or whatnot, there is, a, there is a stereotype that comes with it. The stereotype is like, oh, they must be suffering all the time. People around them must be suffering all the time. Um, it's hard to see any, I hope there is joy in their lives, um, but it's hard to imagine what that looks like or how that can be from this standpoint. And I'm so glad you shared what you shared because it just showed me that regardless of what our challenges are, we all have those challenges and we all have that joy. And even when someone is struggling and, and out for days perhaps and not able to function. When they were functioning, she left beautiful, beautiful memories and wonderful impact on your life, on friends' life, on neighbors and family. And, and that, that is so powerful, you know? Um, so thank you for letting me getting to know your mom and letting her inspire me as well and letting me know that whatever our struggles, my struggles, as I'll just speak for myself, Whatever my struggle is, whatever my weakness is, I can still show up and live a full life and die in that way. I don't think about death my own, but my mom, she's like, this is how I want to die. And I'm like, why would you? You know, she's like, in Makkah, in Sajda, in Mad, you know, that's where. And she's, so this is, Every time she talks about going for Umrah or Hajj, I don't want to listen. I, I don't want to help her get her visa or anything <laughs> because she is like instilled and she's had this dream about it. I'm like, Mama. And anyways, to hear you talk about her death, like I know that would be my mom's dream. So, thank you. I hope I'm very next to my mom. <laughs> Salam alaikum. Um, I was wondering, so you mentioned that she had uh, gone into rehab, I don't know um, how many times, but just wondering um, for both of your parents, um, how much of a struggle was it to, to help someone that didn't want to help or change in that sense? Um, my mom was in and out of rehab. I mean... There were, before I was born, I already know that my family had tried to put her in rehab. Uh, my second mom, uh, Jahan's mom, tried to put my mom in rehab 
several times. My mom was a very smart woman. Um, she worked in the pharmacy. She, you know, she she comes from Harvard. She was working on her PhD. I mean, she could manipulate anyone into believing she was okay. You listen to her, and I mean, she was very captivating. So she was always able to go out. So. From what I understand, and just being a little girl witnessing rehab and, and seeing how the way she would talk to doctors, she was very convincing. Um, so she would go into rehab, and you know, people expect that if you're in rehab, you're off the wall, crazy, whatever these things are that are very um, wrong to say. Um, and yet, my mom was able to to convince herself out of you know proving that she was sane and that she was okay, and so she was able to get out. Um, so it was it was unsuccessful also we were very poor um so we weren't able to afford you know these these probably more effective um facilities like in malibu i mean you know it's not like a it's not like a retreat i know a lot of people who go to rehab and it's a good experience because they have the money and resources to go to the best um rehab facilities um my mom also being muslim she kind of um ignored or just like you know uh sweeped it under under the rug that she had a problem sometimes she would be very vulnerable and, and say it um, other times she would um, vehemently deny it which was very frustrating um and then literally i think a week uh before she passed away um her addiction got really bad in tanzania there's no fda um you know, restrictions, you can get things by the bulk. Um, so my mom was really losing it. And I, I didn't know at the time until I got to Tanzania and my mom had already passed. So it was really shocking to me. Um, but uh, she was in rehab and, and she got clean and we were working really hard to, to keep her alive. And yeah, um, that I mean, yeah, it's crazy to think her last moments, like a couple weeks prior, she was in a rehab. And actually, something that was shared to me, and I'm still learning, I'm sure when my parent, I mean, when my family goes back to Tanzania, they'll be able to talk about it more, but I think two nights prior to my mom passing away, um, she made repentance. Her sister, who's very close to her, um, my aunt Nagila from London, um, said, you know, how about you take a bath and you, you make repentance? So my mom did that and she was literally bawling for hours in repentance and she made the last prayer out loud in front of my sister I mean my mom's sister my aunt um and she said Allah if I'm strong enough to overcome my addiction then make this a success and uh keep me living and if you think I'm not strong enough then take my life and then she died two days later so I have a question um about self-forgiveness that you talked about and how um, that is kind of one of the keys that led you out of what could have been your own addiction. Um, can you talk more about that? Because I feel like so much of what I've heard you say today about your mom and just the cycle um, is like almost a cycle of self-hatred and punishing and getting your hopes up and then feeling like a failure and then not being able to forgive. Um, so I'm just really curious to hear more about self-forgiveness, your path to that, you know, how would you, how would you, or what advice would you give any of us um, in, in achieving that? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I still struggle every day with self-forgiveness, um, but I think 
and learning more about Allah and his, and his mercy, it made me realize like if if we're to be if we're to emulate like Allah's attributes, then like I have to forgive myself. Um, and it's so much easier to let go than than to like harbor all that pain and resentment. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't talk to my family. I don't know, for like six months after my mom passed away. I mean, whoever was at the funeral, like I kind of had to like suck it up. And But I just didn't know how. Um, I felt like I, and again, I love my family and, and I'm sorry, um, but I felt ignored um, for a majority of my life. Uh, I felt like how dare my aunt or anyone try to prevent me from knowing that my mom was dying because where were they when I had to wash my mom from becoming sober or, you know, I've, I've seen my mom break glass. I've, I've seen some really rough things and I just felt like, you know, how convenient. And that's, that's the mentality I had for a very long time. Uh, yeah, um, I don't think my aunts and uncles were able, ever able to see my brother and I as kids. Like, they saw their own kids. You know, it's not like, hey, how did you do on your test? It was like, hey, we need to talk to you about your mom's addiction. So I never had the luxury that my cousins had, and I say that with love because they're here. Um, to be treated as a kid or to, to be seen in that way. Um, and no one likes a sad story, you know, and, and mine was really sad for a very, very long time. Um, and I never felt good enough, and I never felt like I could be around my cousins as an equal, and that's something I still struggle with. And so, and learning and accepting myself and my story, um, especially working with, with students who have gone through so much more than me and have normalized so many, um, like just very traumatic things, uh, it made me realize like I have to forgive myself. Um, who else but me? Because life is not always forgiving on the outside world and you know like holidays are really hard um, my weeks are very hard I go to work and I don't I miss having someone to call me even if they're angry or shouting just to call me you know I miss I don't feel like a real person even to this day um, and what people don't realize is when you lose a loved one your whole family is dysfunctional I felt like I was trying to piece a family for all of my life and I wasn't able to and I feel like I failed when my mom died um, and there were selfish motives for that I wanted my mom like you know um, yeah I wanted my mom and, and so it was really hard like um, my death is supposed to we think bring us closer together but actually my brother and I can go months not talking because he suffers from depression as well and he's always in a rut and I can't imagine being a, a man of color in this country, um, not having had our dad around, the impact that's left on my brother, and then also me as a woman, not having a father around, and not having our mom around. Um, though she was physically there for some years, like she was not mentally there. Like we had to do a lot on our own. Um, so we were never given the tools. So I think now life is fast. Um, there are so many things I want to do, and I'm like, yo, like you can't compare yourself to someone who, who's had a, a support system all their lives, you know. And, and still, I get so hard on myself. I wish I thought I was gonna get my PhD at 28 years old, and I'm 30, starting my master's program. Um, but I've learned to like celebrate 
my joys, you know? People don't know what I've been through. Um, and so I've learned that, you know, uh, everyone has their own timeline and I'm just trusting mine. So I think that's how I practice. It's beautiful, thank you. Um, so we'll do one last. Thank you um, so much. So I have a question for you. Um, thank you again for sharing your story. And I really applaud you for the, the path that you're gonna take in counseling. So the question is, you're gonna see a lot of children and young adults who've experienced the trauma that you have. So how are you gonna draw the strength to help them? Um, I mean, I think the fact that I'm here is, is strength in its own way. Um, my, my comment to help you process that is, what did the little girl in you need? Because you're going to be helping kids, and you've lived their experience. So if you can reflect back, because that's what you're, I'm thinking you're going to draw upon is that little girl in you, even though you're an adult now, what did she need someone to say to her? I'm, I'm just, as a thought to kind of, because that's a huge question. Yeah, as yeah. As a thought to think about, like, if, you know, mm -hmm. the eight-year-old you, mm -hmm. the 10-year-old you, mm -hmm. what did she need an adult to say to her that mm -hmm. could be comforting, that mm -hmm. could help her get strength, to help her not blame herself, or, mm -hmm. you know, hide, or be angry? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just using those as examples. But mm -hmm. maybe that's a way to mm -hmm. look at it. I mean, fortunately, I did. My mom comes from a family of 13, um, so somewhere within that family, I was able to have the right people at the right time, including, I said, Noor Jahan, um, to, you know, let me know that they believe in me. Um, also, my relationship to, to Ola, um, just trusting that he wants me here for a reason, and, and I think my calling, I think some of us are fortunate enough to have our calling come to us. Um, honestly, like, in addition to counseling, I also want to be, like, I want to open a skincare line. I want to have like the whole Rihanna situation, you know. <laughs> you know? Um, so that's something else I'd want to do. And I'm like, huh? Like, is you know, like that's not you know. I'm a writer. I'm an aspiring writer, and all these things. But that makes me really happy. So I think giving yourself the space to figure out what you want. Um, I think being exposed to. Um, a lot of like education for example my mom was best friends um with a black panther activist um so just being around the surroundings i was in like education was not just a, a privilege it was a necessity for me to escape poverty um that was one of the ways i did escape poverty um people don't make it out in southwest houston at all um, i have about two friends who you know one went to bu once one went to um to University of Texas, Austin. And so for me, going into NYU and proving that, hey, um, I'm competing with the best of the best right now, but I was able to graduate top of my class. I would tell my students, like, find, you know, find what makes you your soul on fire. And also, like, one of my biggest inspirations is Nipsey Hussle. Um, yeah, I think we could all learn from him, uh, despite race or class or, or anything like that. Um, you know, there's a reason why we see certain um, messaging in our communities, and I think it's super important to tie your, it, and 
it's not about you, right? It's about your ancestors. It's about where you want us to see. Like, we're all part of a system, and we have to figure out how we can overcome those systems. And, and you know, like, yeah, I would tell my students that. Like, you weren't meant to stay here, you know? That's something I think I would say, as a school counselor specifically, because I did teach in the South Bronx, and despite having the title of a teacher, I, I was counseling a lot of my students. Sounds like you're going to be fine. Inshallah, yeah. Well, thank you all for coming today. This is a really phenomenal khutbah. Thank you again, Aihan. Um, it was really, really powerful. And inshallah, my hope is that you know your mom's impact and positive lessons that you've brought from her life will inshallah help a lot of other people who hear this. Um, so thank you again, everyone. Um, and yeah, we if you can sign up to to volunteer, help us out, give a khutbah. Um, oh, we'll end with the dua. Tasni, why don't you help us end with the dua? Um, and then, <laughs> and uh, we have 4,000 left to raise at this point. Um, so we really are looking for uh, monthly donations of any amount. Um, that's the way that um, is most helpful. So um, again, you can um, swipe, um, you can talk to Liz to set something up, or you can make a one-time donation before you leave today. All right, Tasneem, take us out.